and this threefold cord will not be quickly broken. Welcome into the Joe Beaver Show. Alex Brink, the radio analyst for the Washington State Cougar broadcast team of Matt Chazanow, <clears throat> Jessamine McIntyre, and Alex, a former Sheldon High School quarterback, former in his days record-setting quarterback for the Cougs. Alex is also a trainer of quarterbacks through E4 Sports, understands offenses, quarterback play extremely well, and we'll get his thoughts about Jaden Delora, who is now entrenched again, and a guy that really gave the Beavers fits last year in the 38-28 win to open the abridged 2020 season at Reeser Stadium. The one loss for Jonathan and the Beavs that we've talked about in Jonathan's career arc at Oregon State, if I look at any loss, ooh, that's the one that sticks out as maybe one, quote, they shouldn't have lost, only because of, as we talked about yesterday, all the circumstances around that game and the debut for Rolovich without much practice time, et cetera. But Jaden Delora, Deion McIntosh, without Max Borgie, came in and beat the Beavers 38-28 to last year to open the 2020 season. And they are uh, getting ready to host the Beavs at Martin Stadium in Pullman with a team that appears to be on the rise, with Delora himself playing well, and with the defense getting better and better and really only having one bad stretch when Jackson Dart and USC got hot, and they can get hot now. I can get hot. You know that. I can get hot, as the pathetic Jack Lemon tries to convince Kevin Spacey to go in with him on a deal, give him the leads, because if I get the leads, you know I can get hot. I can get hot. Delora has made that pitch to Nick Rolovich and won the job back when he lost it in camp, evidently, to the transfer Jarrett Garantano from Tennessee. So Delora, a dual threat, and very elusive, very quick on his feet. The Beavers, who've had a very good year defensively, are up against a big challenge in Delora. So Alex Brink, a former Coug quarterback himself, will take some time to join us here in a few minutes as our first guest. The second hour, we are absolutely full. Yogi Roth will join us at 12.05. Yogi will have the call with Ted Robinson. And Yogi's take is sort of the bigger picture that he will take a look at from his perspective, sitting in the analyst seat, host of podcasts, award-winning filmmaker, author, all of those things. Yogi, former wide receiver, former wide receiver at Pitt in a run and shoot offense. Yeah. And And I'm also looking forward to talking to Alex a little bit about, and we've done it before and we are fascinated through the years historically by the evolution of offenses and have talked a lot about, Rocky Long and D coordinators and all people trying to figure these things out in the great book, Blood, Sweat, and Chalk, uh, written by... uh, Many years ago. Yeah, Tim Layden about the history of formations and the history of offense and defense and the evolutions and the cycles within the game. I'm interested to hear from Alex just a little bit about the run and shoot, the biggest way that challenges a defense, compared to... The air raid. There was a school of thought that said, well, Rolovich is in, you know, taking over Leach's air raid system, but it's still just a spread the field and throw the ball a lot. So it's not that it's quite a bit different, but it, how? Well, Leach's system was 
That's was different than a true run and shoot. That, well, it was an air raid, not a run. And right. Shoot. Yeah. Right. With, uh, I, I'd like to ask him to find out the differences. I'd also like to know, is the run and shoot that they run it in Pullman or mm-hmm. where, where else? Is it the same thing we saw Neil Lomax do right. with Mouse Davis at Portland State? Now, whether Alex has gone that deep historically, whether, you know, I mean, he, I'm sure, knows of, of Har- whether he knows of Harlan Ellison, I, he may not, but he'll know of Mouse and he'll know of Neil and he'll know the origins of the exotic offense. Because those were no, no running game, none. Just throw flood zones, get every, every potential receiver out there and just throw, pick and choose and throw. That was it. Now you've got Max Borgie with 13 carries last weekend. And Deion McIntosh, who gashed the Beavers for 147 yards rushing last year in the 38-28 win. That's not at your, your no. grandfather's Mouse Davis run and shoot. <laughs> there is some running in it, not just shooting. There's Lots a... more running than there used to be. But, but I'd like to know the differences. Yeah, and Buddy Ryan, though, and many have taken a dim view of the offense, particularly trying to run it at the NFL level. And yeah. Certainly enjoyed the conversation with June Jones recently about some of these matters. But we remember Buddy's famous description he <laughs> of the offense. Yeah, well, on his, on his own team. I mean, Buddy, Buddy was a guy who ended up forming alliances within his own team so that there was the Mike Ditka, Buddy Ryan contingent within a championship yeah. team in Chicago, and Buddy gets carried off the field by the defense after Super Bowl twenty. Yeah. You don't see that very often. The Bears, though, do have a history of that. My my hero, George Allen, was carried off the field in nineteen sixty three when the Chicago Bears won the NFL championship. As a D coordinator? As a D coordinator. They loved him so much. Here's George Hallis over here. Hey, good for you, George. They let carried the other George off the field. <laughs> wow. After the Bears won the title in 63, George Allen. Well, I just recently saw a... Chuck and Duck, but uh, it was a, Buddy's a program, A little piece of a program where they were going back like a 30 for 30. And there is great love. Singletary and, and uh, was it Fenton or Fenwick, Fenwick, the, whoever it was, just the Gary de- Fensick. Yeah. Fensick, mm-hmm. the defenders from that era. And they're all older now visiting buddy Ryan. I don't know how yeah. accurate or time-wise it was. And he was, you know, he's an old guy in a chair and just going back to visit. I mean, they, he was a father to many of those guys. Did now, I'm sorry. I should know this. It's NFL cradle lore. I'm sure for people growing up, but who, didn't Buddy bite his own his own head coach or throw a punch? Was it at oh. Was it at Kevin Gilbride? Or was it? I don't remember. I mean, that. somebody please supply that without looking it up. Uh, come, let it come out of your own memory. Shoot us the text. Who did Buddy fight on his own staff on the sideline and threw a punch at at his was own it boss? The, it was it in I the eighty five season. I well, no, it came later. Not Ditka. I just I think there was a time where Buddy got into a little bit of an yeah. altercation on the sideline with his boss, I think, over something. I have no idea what the issue was, but... I don't think he would want to mess with Ditka. No, I don't think so either. If it were, you know, the great skit, the Bears, where that whole thing comes from. (laughs) I remember they were trying to set up these uh, hypotheticals, and it's one of my favorite skits with Joe Mantegna and and Chris Farley. Farley. What if it, you know, they kept going on Ditka. What if it were Ditka going up by himself against the... 
the St. Louis Rams or Ditka going up by himself against the Washington Redskins, who would win? Ditka, the Bears. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Finally, Mantania came up with, what if it was Ditka against the Seraphim and the Cherubim and all of God's <laughs> holy angels, Ditka by himself against them? And I think Farley says something like, yeah, I'd have to go with the angels on that one, <laughs> but it would be close. <laughs> the, the love for Ditka, yeah. the reverence then for Buddy on the, I mean, that's an interesting dynamic in the history of the NFL. Those were great years yep. in the NFL and uh, on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> no, that was, that was, uh, that was great stuff. And that defense and, oh man, that was a good team. So, that's the lineup today. Alex Brink, Yogi Roth, and then on a more specific Oregon State, although he's, he'll be well-versed on Washington State to follow up, Yogi, Big Jim Wilson. So we'll get both radio analysts, Alex yeah. Brink on the Cougars' side. All three. Jim Wilson on our side and the television analyst for the game, yeah. Yogi Roth. Forget after. about the play-by-play guys. No, I, we're, yeah. we, we're, we are just there for the ride. <laughs> we're just along for the ride. We did have Ted Robinson on. Though. We had Ted yesterday. That's true. So... All of that today on the show with some open phones uh, along the way. Not many today. You'll have perhaps more yeah, tomorrow yeah. as I make the trip to the Palouse. Looking forward to it. So uh, Yogi is too. We've talked enough off the air about it that uh, I think, you know, Yogi and Ted are excited. This is a big game. This is a huge game for the Bees. Uh, yes, every to, game to, is big. Yeah, now because you keep winning. Yeah. But one thing that... The Beavers bounced back from the opening loss that a lot of people were kind of putting a lot on. Oh, if they beat Purdue, if they beat Purdue, yeah. then they have a chance for this, that, and the other. If they can win that opener, then they set themselves up for this. They lost the opener and yet have come back to win well, four straight. The, I think the thinking along those lines is a loss at USC. A loss at USC and so, probably, likely, a loss at home to Washington. I mean, I think those were things that, yeah. as people played the pocket schedule game back in the summer, Probably had those in the L. But it was clear to see that you're hanging with Purdue. You're you're you you should be winning this game, and and there's just ugh, you're hanging with them. And then in the end, the decision and uh, yeah, and even more than just going to the bullpen earlier, there's a few things you could say. Sure. Eh, okay, I wish we would have done this fourth oh. and two. Get the ball to Musgrave, yeah. maybe wide open in the flat, and the game could right, have the right. And Purdue's yeah. gone on. I mean, they they lost a close one. Uh, Minnesota just to beat. Minnesota, but you know, th- no, that's they're they, not a bad. They're team. not a bad no. team at no. all. And I think in, when it all shakes out, they'll be right in the middle of the of the Big Ten. But the we saw the running. We if we could have seen the running game gel in the Purdue game like it has since. That might have overtaken any of the other issues. It's true. To victory. But there's also partly sometimes, you know, in a growing and developing program, to have a loss like that, that kind of probably just regathered everybody's attention. Yeah. And, hey, now think... you're getting a lot of laurels and love, and you're a great offensive line. And then they got pushed around by Purdue's defense. Yeah. I think since then, they, what with the fundamentals, the technique, everything else that Jonathan and Mahalchik preach. They've gone back to work on it, and we've seen the results. It's almost impossible in a college football season to not have a, I wish we could have that one right. back. And in fact, to the point, it's almost the national champions, the only one that doesn't have that. <laughs> it's right. There's so many years you're thinking, okay, okay. And there's an early, oh, 
oh, I wish we could have that one back mm-hmm. because you know you could do better and and all that. It happened to be game number one, and the the jump from one to two, as they always say, is huge. But the jump from one to to five now is massive for Oregon State, except a slight step back last week in some ways. Okay. It actually worked out perfectly because if Chance is going to step back, throw for 48 yards, struggle a bit, lay the ball on the turf in a victory. Right. Okay, right. now what he, What does he do against Washington State? He may just completely bust out. We'll see. We'll see. He's he got may, a big challenge. And I think, I think Oregon State's offense is going to do very well okay. this weekend. Did you watch any of the baseball game last night? Dodgers no, cards. I uh, did. I, I went I, to bed in the. I looked at it in the seventh, and I had to go to bed because I was falling asleep in my chair prior to that. And I said to myself, I said out loud in my room. No one was in the room. I said, "Huh, one-one in the seventh. I, my luck. This will be a dramatic finish. <laughs> I will have missed it, and I will not be able to talk about it." It was. You were right. And that's exactly what happened. It was exciting. I mean, a guy that th- that's, I heard the announcers last night after the game. Brian Anderson and Ron Darling, I believe, was the team. Good job on the broadcast. I, I saw qu- not the entire game, but quite a few innings of it. And the end. Yeah. But baseball can deliver. Baseball can deliver moments. Baseball is good at that. Yeah. There's still a long way to go in this postseason. In fact, the postseason just now beginning. These were play-in games between the Yankees and Red Sox and Dodgers and Cardinals. But right there, I've just named four of the storied franchises in the history of the great game. And the Dodgers-Cardinals delivered a good game. And a guy that was 8 for 72, stepping to the plate, wins it. Yeah. That's baseball. I mean, you get a guy kind of who admired in a slump, not even starting, hits the biggest home run of his life, and the Dodgers move on to an interesting five-game series now with San Francisco matching up 107 and 106 win teams. I don't know. That's probably never happened at any level in any playoff series in the history of the game. I haven't done any homework on it yet, but I can't imagine 107-106 ever meeting in any kind of playoff series ever before. And I know that uh, it was a, I think it was a fairly even season series between the two. Ten to nine Giants, maybe? Yeah, ten to nine Giants. I, I did watch a little bit. I forgot. I forgot about this. In fact, I forgot about this morning when I was talking about it. I When I got into bed, I did the TV on my phone thing, yes, which yeah. I never do. Right. But I thought, I, I got to check this out. And then when I was watching, I thought, I can't, I can't do this or I'll be a zombie tomorrow. It was a sequence when the, the Cardinals had a runner at first and a play where he overran first and had to come back, and they were looking to see if he touched the bag. Mm, I missed that. On the way back, mm-hmm. and it was a big to-do. It was a did lot of Did they get the angles. call right? Was it a replay I don't call? think they got it right. I think he did not touch the bag, okay. but they said safe, so he got to go back to first. He was safe at first. Otherwise, he'd have been out. Oh. And he was the only runner on base. Um, but it was, in, it was interesting to me because that very rule, and as the broadcasters were talking about it, they talked about it as though it's not really a common knowledge thing. I mean, it is, I suppose, if you if you play and all that, but just emphasizing that you have to touch it on your way back. And it reminded me of a play in Surprise several years ago, in fact, where one of the opposing team's players can't... No, it was a Beaver player. Mm-hmm. No, it was the opposing team because the entire d- dugout got up onto the railing and <laughs> was pointing and screaming. Right. And I didn't know what the call was. 
among many, I'm sure. And Jimmy, Jim Wilson texted me and said that runner, if because this runner went way past second base, halfway to third, and then came back and went all the way back around to get back to first. It wasn't as, it was way more pronounced than this play last night. And, and so that was the, the deal. Did he touch it on the way back? And it didn't look like he did, but hmm. he, he was called safe. Let's take a break. That may be the only baseball talk of the day, but it was uh, kind of a fun, exciting moment oh, that the game is capable of delivering. I think he said just the fourth walk-off home run in postseason in Dodger baseball history. Gibson, Muncie, and somebody missed the other one. But So that was exciting, and now a very compelling series between two ancient bitter rivals shapes up now mm. for the next mm. five best out of five. Alex Brink, the radio analyst for the Washington State Cougars, Joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio. Shrimp has joined the Flavor Fam at Qdoba Mexican Eats with new citrus lime shrimp. Create your own crave-worthy burrito or bowl with our sustainably sourced shrimp that's sautéed in-house and topped with whatever your flavor-loving heart desires. Or try new chef-crafted surf and turf bowl made with citrus lime shrimp, grilled steak, chili crema, and guacamole. Get it while you can, only at Qdoba. Qdoba Mexican Eats, customizable burritos, crave-worthy tacos, and three-cheese queso. Qdoba is on Monroe in Corvallis. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. Here at locally owned and operated Alirica Networks, we use the same service you do, so you can be rest assured that you're getting the very best internet service, whether for home, business, or enterprise. At Alirica, we make sure that each of our valued customers gets the plan that best fits their needs. So whether you require basic service or faster speeds for gaming or HD video streaming, we will make sure to match you with the plan that works best for your home or business. Alirica Networks always goes the extra mile. Give us a call or find out more at Alirica.net. Luxury Vinyl Plank Flooring is really popular right now, and Corvallis Floor Covering carries several different brands. LVP Flooring is waterproof, durable, very affordable, and mimics the look and texture of real wood. Window coverings are an easy way to update a room, and Corvallis Floor Covering has new fashion looks by Hunter Douglas and Norman Window Fashions. Stop by and browse through their large showroom. They're at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beavs! Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis truly is pizza for all. Whether you're on the offense, the defense, or the special teams, maybe even the third-string punter, Woodstock's is pizza for all. With over 36 fresh toppings to choose from, six sauce options, three crust options, also gluten-free and non-dairy options, and delivery to most of Corvallis. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis truly is pizza for all. Even third-string punters. Who is the Beef's third-string punter? 
Middleton Heating has kept Mid-Valley residents comfortable for over 72 years. Middleton can service, repair, or replace all types of brands of heating and cooling equipment. Plus, they offer financing options on new equipment and also participate in state and federal incentive programs. If your heating unit is giving you trouble, if you have kitchen or dryer venting needs, or if you're just looking for some sheet metal, call Middleton Heating today. You can count on Middleton Heating for all your heating, cooling, venting, and sheet metal needs. Find them online at middletonheating.net. 1240 Joe Radio. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show as we get ready for a big matchup homecoming for the Cougs in Pullman Martin Stadium 107 kickoff Saturday afternoon. Yours truly will have the call with Big Jim Wilson, who will join us next hour, and Ron Callen, the outstanding broadcast team, Matt Chazano, Jessamine McIntyre on the sidelines, and our next guest, the analyst for Cougar football on the radio. Also a, a worker with uh, athletes as part of E4 Sports football staff, a record-setting quarterback in his own career at Washington State out of Sheldon High School. Threw for 531 yards in a game against the Beavers at Reeser. 531. Wow. About 500 more than Chance Nolan just threw for last <laughs> week. But Alex Brink is kind enough to take some time and join us here on the Joe Beaver Show. Alex, good morning. Thanks for the time. How are you today? I'm doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, and thank you. I look forward to seeing you guys uh, on the Palouse this Saturday. It's an interesting matchup, which we'll get to in a moment. But I wanted to to ask a moment. Just we, We talk about evolution of offenses and different systems, and we hope to have you perhaps break down the major differences between an air raid and a run and shoot and, and the responsibilities for a quarterback. But for you to throw for 531 in a game in 2005 and to be as prolific as you were in your career, remind us, what was, quote, the system called then that you were running for Bill Doba in Washington State in those years? Sure, yeah. You know, we were, I mean, we were kind of a one-back spread offense. Um, you know, I think it had roots in, it had roots in kind of a run-and-shoot style. Tim Rosenbaugh was, who was calling plays for us. Um, and, you know, Rosie's gone on to have a, a great career as a coach. He's at the, at the offense coordinator in Montana now. And, um, but, you know, back then, not as much a, a shotgun, a lot more under center. Um, we utilized the tight end, so it wasn't wasn't very air raid, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say it actually had some, you know, kind of more similarities to, you know, what Oregon State's trying to do with maybe a little less emphasis on the run, just because we like to throw the ball around a little bit more. But kind of that similar uh, West Coast, a little bit of spread action and, and under center stuff. What kind of tempo? We were pretty consistent. We were in the huddle, you know, got the plays off the sideline and signaled them in and. You know, nothing too fast. I mean, that's what made, in all honesty, looking back to some degree on some of the some of the games I had, um, some of the stats I had, uh, it, it kind of makes me chuckle because you know I didn't get the benefit of playing under Mike Leach and having to be able to throw it sixty or seventy times a game. So when you look at a number of you know five hundred and thirty yards on you know fifty some odd attempts, that's a that's a lot different than throwing for that number on seventy five attempts, yeah. right? So certainly. Uh, even my senior year, I mean, we threw the ball a ton, and it wasn't even close to, you know, what some of these programs are doing nowadays. 
Alex Brink, our guest. Alex John here with Mike. Uh, Mike and I are a couple of older guys, so when I ask you this question, I don't expect you to really know the reference point, but maybe you do with other points, and that is, what is the difference between a, a run-and-shoot of today that, that we might see on Saturday versus back in the day with Mouse Davis, Neil Lomax, June Jones, because that's where it all began way back in the early seventies. And I remember it being run, uh, shoot, no run. I mean, shoot all the time, yeah. flooding. How, yeah. how is it different now? Well, I tell you what, you know, what's funny is I grew up, right. I went to Sheldon high school and the head coach of Sheldon high school is Marty Johnson who learned his brand of offense, which was run and shoot based, um, at OIT and was a Mouse Davis disciple kind of. And so I got a very early indoctrination into the run and shoot in high school. And so uh, even back then, it was a lot of the similar concepts around uh, you're trying to kind of pre-snap read coverage, wide receivers are taking a look at, you know, is it man or zone and adjusting routes accordingly. So you're right. The the kind of early evolution was definitely more shoot. It was the, it was the original, you know, let's spread it out and throw it all around the yard, right, um, mm. with June Jones and, and Matt Davis. But I would say kind of the iteration now is you still have that, and I think in a best-case scenario, that's where the run-and-shoot wants to live is kind of a 60-40 or 70-30 pass-to-run balance. Um, you know, with Washington State specifically, you're having, and some of the teams that, you know, they had at Hawaii, they had a – they had a really good, you know, they had really good backs, and so they were they were, they had really good backs, and so they were leaning they were leaning into you know that a little bit more, and so the you know that's more where Washington State I think is is they want to lean into their backs, and so they utilize more you know zone run principles that you see and kind of consistent um, with you know any sort of running game these days, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's the major difference. Yeah. Alex Brink joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. It, but in principle, I want to get to specifics, Macintosh, Borgie, and the run part of the run and shoot and Rolo in a moment, Alex. But in principle is the theory behind spreading it out that Mouse went to. Mouse went to it out of necessity, he felt, trying to come up with an offense because he couldn't match up physically as well. But if he could spread out, get some receivers out in space, one-on-one plays and matchups, Leach's air raid is predicated on similar principles, isn't it? So maybe take us through... The, the major overriding principle for the two offenses, and then what an air raid asks of a quarterback and receivers by comparison to a run and shoot. Yeah, I think the I think the general premise of you know trying to utilize athletes in space is is the same for sure. Um, the I think where the air raid and the run and shoot differ significantly is that the the air raid wants to create space more horizontally, right? They want to spread the field and stretch defenses horizontally and occasionally vertically, but not quite the, to the same degree that the run and shoot does. So you're going to get more quick passes. You're going to get more balls in space um, quickly going outside the hash and outside the numbers. And then once you get that defense kind of spread thin, then you attack the middle of the field, right? It's less about, one-on-one matchups and more about creating space to find open receivers. The the run and shoot wants to be more vertical passing based. And then the way that it's built is that if a guy's running a vertical route, then they're, and the defense takes it away, then the receiver has the freedom to break that route off um, based on, you know, a predetermined look or 
um, you know, kind of what his what page he's on with the quarterback. And so, he, again, they want to they want to live in vertical passing game and then adjust accordingly to um, to coverage. And that takes that. There's more. The best way I can describe it. There's a lot more gray area in the run and shoot with a lot more uh, big play upside. Whereas in the air raid, there's way less gray area and less big play upside, but more consistency. Mm-hmm in the way that the quarterback sees it. So can, you. can we say, Alex, that at any one point, or have you ever been involved with any type of offense where it gets to a point of saying, you just go out and I'll find you, whichever way you break? <laughs> it is. It is. There's a few more guardrails than that, but it is very similar. Yes. I think in its, in its, if, if we are five years down the road at Washington State and the, the quarterbacks and the receivers have – built that rapport, that's what it would be. The, the best version I've ever seen of this was Colt Brennan. It was 2007 when I was, mm-hmm. I was a senior at Washington State, and at Hawaii, Colt Brennan and his receivers had been together for three or four years, and they absolutely lit it up under that premise of kind of, hey, here's the, here's the play, but if you find a better route, like, we all get it. I'll get yeah. to the ball. Yeah. Colt did a hell of a job doing that, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. that's where I saw the best version of it in kind of this new age, um, you know, I didn't get the pleasure of watching, uh, you know, the guy, guys under June Jones and, and not Davis do it, unfortunately. Alex Brink, Cougars radio analyst, joining us. So it strikes me that the Cougs are on an upswing here coming into this game with the way the defense smothered Cal holding the Golden Bears to their fewest point total since 97. And the offense with Jaden Delora now maybe getting the job back, so to speak. He knows he's the guy. Rolovich declared him so earlier in the week. And it looked like he's he, he's got some things coming now, too, with his receiving core. So what do you think, Alex, about where the Cougs are going into this matchup? Well, they're a lot better than they were following week one, I can tell you that. And if you take, you know, if you kind of take the first half of their game versus USC and then what they did against Cal and – really the first half to some degree against you first three quarters against Utah. I mean, you got some really good football in there. Um, and you're right about Jane Delore kind of coming back and taking control of that job. He has put himself in a position to be the leader of this team moving forward. And the, that I think is creating some continuity that the Cougs desperately needed. Um, you know, his health is important. You know, his knees braced up with a knee, but he looked fine last week. So it should be okay, but something to keep an eye on. But, you know, they're getting the emergence of a young receiver on the outside named Deshaun Stribling, which is a must-have in the run-and-shoot. They were very slot-heavy, right? They leaned into the their two slot receivers, Calvin Jackson Jr. and Travell Harris, um, and that was not enough to get it done. You needed a guy on the outside, and Stribling's really come on the last two weeks. So I do think the Cougs are playing probably as good as they've played all year. Um, that being said, obviously Oregon State's playing great football as well. What about um, defensively now? Mike's just saying they are very good defensively and they are clearly they are <laughs> your your guy you guys are how much uh, strides did the the defense make from week 1 to to where they are now well i tell you what you know the the, the defense is a really unique uh, i think a unique case study right if you look at the you know if you look at their statistical rankings in the league they're not great right they're 7th 8th ninth, kind of all over but if you watch the film they are very good defense I mean, they make a ton of plays, force, I think, 11 turnovers, maybe 12 turnovers on the year. I mean, they, 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 get, they strip the ball. They, they get the ball off tips, and when it's in the air, 
They made life really, really tough on the Cal Bears. I mean, they made, they've, they've made life tough on just about everybody this year. Now, against Utah State in week one, they got worn down by tempo and being on the field a lot and right gave up kind of the game winner at the end. That, those things happened. Same thing against Utah. They were just on the field a little bit too much, but they made every play it felt like on the day until the very last one. And so um, I think they are the strength of this Washington State team. You're going to see a front seven that on the on the defensive front four, I mean, they're too deep across the board. They've got eight guys that will rotate in and make plays. They've got veteran linebackers in Jihad Woods and Justice Rogers, and they have a really good secondary. I think the, the safety position was a question mark, and they've kind of shorn that up but they're very good at the corner position. Um, and, and Daniel Isom's kind of a Swiss Army knife, safety, nickel. Um, so I, I think, you know, for Oregon State fans that maybe haven't watched or are just kind of looking at records, um, you know, that they should be aware that the Washington State defense is a really good unit. And what about reaction uh, and support right now in Pullman? What kind of a crowd are they are they into it? Because it just seemed like everything was falling apart at the beginning of the year with Rolovich and the, yeah. the vaccine and everything. But yet now, these last couple of weeks, it might be settling down. What do you expect Saturday as far as, you know, the home crowd and, and the atmosphere? Yeah, it's definitely been uh, – things have settled down to some degree. I mean, I think there's frustrations around kind of where the team was at record-wise for sure. But if you – you know, I think if you think about that USC game, right, and that they were – you know, Jaden Delore getting hurt coming out of, you know, going into halftime and then coming out of that really spun that game out of control for them. Otherwise, they were dominating. And then a Utah game that, you know, by all rights, if Jaden's playing, they probably win also. You know, you can kind of explain away some of those things. So I think the fan base is feeling very positive after getting a win, you know, really a must win down at Cal. And now you come home against a great Oregon State team, but I think a team that also the Cougs match up very well with. I think the crowd's going to be, the crowd's going to be into it. The, the, the students have been every home game. The the students have packed it in. You know the the families coming from the west side and making the drive. They want to come to Pac-12 games, right? So they were out in force for USC. I would bet they would do the same for Oregon State. Alex, I mentioned earlier in the run in the run and shoot and two running backs. Dion McIntosh gashed the Beavers last year here, 147 yards with Max Borgie not playing. Borgie's health has been a little bit. Where is he? Is he fully back physically? Do you think from a wrist injury? And I don't know if anything else was bothering him. Deion McIntosh, meanwhile, has averaged about 41 yards per game, rushing five yards per carry. Where, what do you sense in the run game now for the Cougs? Yeah, Borgie played last week. It ended up being kind of an elbow deal, and he wore a brace and a wrap, and he, he kind of went through the pregame stuff to make sure he was okay and ended up playing, and, and he, he looked fine. I mean, I, I think he is definitely a little limited, so he's splitting the carries with Deion McIntosh, but you know, McIntosh is, like you alluded to, kind of a 1B to Max Borgie's 1A, and so they have two really good backs that they can lean on. I would say that the challenge so far this year is they haven't used them enough, right? They've only gotten... Each guy, you know, between the two of them, they, they probably get less than 20 touches a game. And I think if they get more than 20 touches a game between the two of them, that creates a problem for an opposing defense. So it'll be interesting to see what the game plan is going in against this Oregon State defense. I, I've said all year that Washington State will have more success if McIntosh and Borgie touch the ball more. Mm-hmm. Final thing, Alex, we appreciate your time. You use the phrase, and just to hear it, you know, the Cougs coming on to a great Oregon State team. I mean, just to hear you say that, it, it catches my attention. Somebody just said that. They've won four straight. They're 2-0 and and atop the North for the first time by themselves ever. So what are you seeing, Alex, in, in the Beavers? And 
you know, I, I guess if you flipped it around and said if Oregon State's going to get to 3-0, and I mean, what do you see in the Beavs to try to accomplish that this weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, I you know, to be totally fair, I, going into the season, I thought I said a number of times publicly I felt like Oregon State would be um, would compete in the Pac-12 North. I mean, I, I love, love what Jonathan Smith is doing at Oregon State and the rest of that staff. I mean, I mean they've done a, an incredible job recruiting um, along the West Coast, in the Northwest, um, across the country. So they built that roster. I think from an offensive play-calling standpoint, Brian Lindgren and Jonathan Smith are second to none in this league. And I think defensively, they've continued to get better, um, you know, particularly depth and roster-wise. So, you know, it's no surprise to me that they are here in this moment. I do think that as a team, their ability to run the football is going to be the difference, right? I mean, if they, as you saw versus Purdue, if they, if they didn't, if they don't run the football, it puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback position and the receiver group. And I think that, um, in that sense, that can be a challenge for them, right? And and Washington kind of almost got it, almost got it last week, but um, obviously in the end, the, the offense was able to pull through. And I think defensively, it's a good enough unit to force some turnovers and create some plays along the way that give this team a chance to win week in and week out. So I think Oregon State is up on the upswing, obviously, um, but I do think that they're in a position where if they're going on the road playing a Washington State team that you know outwardly looks like they're struggling but I think is ready for a, a tough matchup. So this is a very important game, I think, on the Beavers' schedule, um, especially heading into kind of the back part of the year where they really want to make some noise in, in you know the league race and then maybe even some postseason stuff. Well said, Alex. Thanks for your time. We always appreciate it and, and look forward to seeing you in the press box in Pullman on Saturday. Thanks, Thank, Alex. thanks for the time, Alex. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. Alex Brink. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. Uh, he's the former Cougar quarterback, Tim Rosenbaugh. That's right. I forgot about Rosenbaugh being mm-hmm. his OC and Bill Doba, outstanding man and coach. Exciting games. I didn't bring the didn't bring it up at the game that he threw for five hundred thirty one. The Cougars led that game thirty to sixteen. And Savvy Piscatelli, I can still see the pick six that he got against Alex to kind of help. I think I think that put the Beavers in the lead after trailing thirty to sixteen. Savvy's pick six put the Beavers up thirty seven thirty three. Very exciting game in twenty oh five at Reeser that the Beavers rallied and won. But as you know, the history with the Cougs has not been good of late. And as Nick Daschle tweeted, where have we heard this before? Beavers trying to snap this losing streak. Beavers yeah. trying to snap this losing streak. Well, maybe this is the year. They've lost seven straight to the Cougs. Seven. Mm-hmm. If you would have asked me, because I hadn't read it yet on the release, I would have said five. Right. It's seven. Oh, that's ridiculous. That has to stop. So it's time. Is it time? That has to stop. Okay. We'll break. It's time for text, open phones. If uh, we had a couple of callers off the air. If you'd like to jump in now, the lines are open at 497-5356. Would love to hear from you. With Yogi Roth and Jim Wilson next hour, 1240 Joe Radio. Kraken Cards in downtown Corvallis carries sports cards, Pokemon cards, MTG cards, board games, collectibles, card sleeves, playmats, and more. Have you been to Kraken Cards yet? If you're into sports cards and games, Kraken Cards is for you. Kraken Cards knowledgeable staff can help you find what you're looking for and at fair market value. And for you Oregon State fans, Kraken Cards has a dedicated Oregon State alumni box to browse. Kraken Cards, 114 Southwest 3rd, downtown Corvallis. Kraken Cards, your connection to everything fun. 
Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. If you're expecting family or guests this fall or during the holidays, maybe you don't have a place for them to sleep. A futon from Futon Man in Corvallis is the perfect solution. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes, and their futons have a highly resilient, long-lasting foam core, and they're made right in the store in Corvallis. There's lots of cover choices, too. And students, a futon works great when you need some extra space in your dorm. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99 and online at futon-man.com. If you've been putting off that home remodeling project, now's the time to get it done, and Corvallis Floor Covering can help. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands. The staff, Wendy, Robin, and Brian, have years of combined experience and look forward to working with you. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown. Or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. Oh, she rattles off. That's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from Philomath Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right already. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids specializes in Prius sales, Prius service, and Prius batteries, but also services all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Get peace of mind before you hit the road with Dave's Guardian Full Vehicle Inspection Report so you know about possible failures before they occur. With over 120 years of experience under one roof, you'll get expert service every time. Off I-5 and Highway 20 in Albany, online at davesperformancehybrids.com. Oh, we continue yeah, on the Joe Beaver there show. Why that didn't Doc, what are you, are you and TJ tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow we're on the show. We got, uh, I'm really hoping, really hoping, Rever, to get a women's basketball player on. I think that will happen. I just don't know what time and, and whom. Okay. Excellent. And uh, outside of that, it's just open phones and segments and things that we're going to put together and get ready for the show. So we'll we'll take a lot of phone calls. Throw out a lot of stats, facts, and figures. We haven't really played any audio this week, so we'll, we're going to get to that. Good. The uh, offense, the defense, and then Coach Smith is is uh, talking today. So uh, we'll play uh, as much of that that we have and and let you get a chance to f- get a feel for what the, the coaches and players are talking about during practice this week. And then you're on at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. Yeah, 9 o'clock in the morning for a midday game. I love that. The rest of Saturday off to watch other games or do other things. Before the rains come. Are they coming? On Sunday. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. I, I haven't looked. I, I hear people tell me the Palouse, and maybe Paul has or something, but I hear it's going to be okay. The weather's going to yeah. be reasonably well, sunny nice. here. Yeah, maybe. Well, this ch- is a beautiful time of the year in Pullman. Yeah, it is. 
Let's uh, get Paul on the downward dog phone line. Good, good morning, Paul. Hey, Mike. Yeah, you going to the clues? I, I definitely take a heavy jacket, Mike. It's going to be pretty chilly. Okay. <laughs> There's a cold front coming through. Okay. But anyway, hey, I'm looking at the Beaver schedule, man. We, it looks like we got the best schedule. The only two games that look uh, really tough, we play at home. And then, <laughs> I mean, three games, Utah, Stanford, and uh, Arizona State ASU, at home. Arizona State. Mm-hmm. And then the games we have away are Washington State, Colorado, and Cal, like the bottom three teams in the league kind of with only like, I think, one or two wins between the three of them. It worked out well, didn't it, Doc? It worked out well. You still have to respect every one of them, but you go into them thinking you can win at any one of them. And I, you know, I'm looking at a possibility of a ten and two season, but I'm still <laughs> sticking with an eight and four. Okay, I just want to get to six. So, Paul, is your the purpose? <laughs> is the purpose? I just now, heck, I want to get to uh, five this weekend. I want to be five and one and three and zero. Oh, I I hear nothing else. I know nothing else. Now, Paul, my question to you is, are you just kind of, is the purpose of your call just to kind of play the pocket schedule game and project out this, this possibility of 10 and two? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's sitting right before us. All we got to do is grab it. You know what I mean? I got you. It's a very favorable schedule right now. Yeah, no, I I got you. I understand. And I understand how it's almost inevitable to, to play that out week to week. And look, well, this one now means that you have a chance for this or that. And, yeah, I I understand, and I think it's okay. I mean, it's fun for us to, to have those sorts of thoughts and projections. But as long as, long as that type of thinking, uh, if, if it, nev- it doesn't pervade Oregon State's football program, and it won't with Jonathan at the helm, we're fine. You can get there if you stay away collectively thinking along those lines. And I was going to make that point that when you talk to the players, and you talk to the coaches, they all just talking about just uh, we're here today and we're worried about Saturday, just right. this game coming up. And yeah. that's that's a very nice uh, state of mind to be in. Yep. Thank you, Paul, for that. Uh, that is a, uh, a truth, what he just said about the yeah. schedule. Whether yeah. you, if, if you did right now just say, it, uh, you know, who – the more formidable games are, this is based on opponents, are at Reeser Stadium. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Um, I don't think we here, or or even me personally in talking to family and friends, I've gotten ahead of myself. There's this excitement for the possibility that the the losing streak of years will change, but I won't won't believe it until I see it. Obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not counting. A lot of people are saying, Oh, we'll get these two wins. No, no, you got to get them before uh, that's you. Now I'm yeah. saying you're nervous about this game. You're sure. nervous. Da, da, da. I'm saying, no, I'm not so nervous about this game, but I will say I'm with you in that. I'm not jumping ahead. Right. I'm not assuming any victories on any <laughs> week in mm-hmm. Pac-12 play. Uh, thinking just, Stay the course. Do play your best. If you're a favorite, you if you play your best, you should win. It's when you are a favorite and you don't play anywhere near your best, and you get beat, and that's easier said than done because so many teams just don't, and then they get beat when they should have won big. <laughs> I don't fret about that with respect to Jonathan and the 
temperament no. of his program. Just other teams, though, can beat you. They play well. Yeah. The Cougs are playing at a – that's the thing that I think the conversations we've been having and we'll continue to have with Yogi Roth and Jim Wilson is to look beyond, you know, as Josh put it in his feet, beyond the box score, you know, beyond just what are the Cougs' stats. If you just simply look at where they are in rushing defense, yeah. rushing offense, passing, turnovers, scores, record – Oh, well, they're not that good. They're playing good football. A lot of stretches. Alex broke it down pretty well. They had, they led Utah in Salt Lake City with 443 to play in that game. You don't need to know much more than that. And they jumped USC 14 nothing, and were about to score again to go up 21 nothing. And then USC turned that thing around dramatically, Yeah, obviously. But the point is they played a lot of great football in that game, too. It doesn't look like it if you just simply look at the final score and the, the run that USC went on. The only thing we don't, there's a lot of intangibles that we don't know. That's why right. it makes it compelling to where we can't wait till we yeah. see it unfold. Um, you don't know how personnel will match up with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't he say that Nick Rolovich even said they look bigger? Yeah, that Oregon State looks different yeah. was the phrase. And But Brink did say, I like, he dropped in that, it's a good matchup for the Cougars. And Jim Wilson's heavy on matchup. He'll talk about a certain game, and this isn't a good matchup for the right, Thieves. Right, right. And I'll, we'll ask him directly, how does this matchup right. with how the Cougars are playing now, how they play, how does it look to Jim? Because so often, and this used to be true in the 80s, oh, man, where no matter how bad you were, you were a thorn in the side of some other team. Well, and I even think in, it, with respect to, and I'm sure there are many Citizens of Beaver Nation, longtime Beaver believers. I, I used to look at, listen to Daryl. I'd, I'd watch some of the games, listen, attend a couple of them here and there over the years. Washington State and Oregon State, the debacles involved in those games, yeah. where the Beavers would would play other teams pretty competitively, win some games, won two Civil Wars on the road, beat UCLA, won some other games, played. Washington, USC, and others pretty competitively in certain years and play the Cougs and lose 51 to 6. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right? Yeah. I used to just look at that and go, what? So, what? so the matchup yeah. was not a good one in that era. Prices, Cougs. Now, credit to, to Jerry and the Beavs in 94. I think they beat Price 21 to 3 at Parker and, and turned that whole thing around, but they were. They were steamrolled by the Cougs many, many years right. in Pullman and here with the scores. You, I used to see those scores come in and say, how does that happen? Washington State's not that good and the Beavers aren't that bad, and, and yet the Cougs yes. would roll. Yes. In the last 20 years, we've seen that a couple times, and it just you shake your head at it. I don't know that it, I, it's hard to believe it's been seven seven games, seven right. years, because I don't see that that disparity. Many of those years, well, four of them were, you know, in the worst years of Oregon State with Gary, and so they picked up some wins there. Last year was was the big disappointment. You know, you last think year you was win a that game, and you yeah. end up losing by ten, and they come back in the second half, and and you're thinking, okay, and then two years ago was the game that is for getting to a bowl right. game and you can't convert and then couldn't convert and, and then couldn't hold. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and going for forward on fourth in your own territory, which was another, now they were in Coog territory. They was fourth and forward around the 
35 or 40 of Washington State, if I remember. Again, I, I can see the play in my mind's eye. I, can I thought see. it was a choice of you should have punted yes. and, put, and pinned them deep, even though they were no, scoring it, it well. Just again, I don't have the detail right yeah. here in front of me. I know they were in Cougar territory. And so the whole point was, do you punt here to try to make it a 90-yard field instead of if you don't get it here, it's about a 65-yard field or something like that? That that was the choice. They were not in... They were not in their own territory, I promise you. I, I know I would stake my very existence on not being in their the own territory. The only reason why Mike is saying this right now is yeah. because he's watching me and my facial expressions are like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. well. No, trust me on that. And now, Jim Wilson and anybody, uh, you, you might have the yard line, actual yard line. I could look it up. Yeah. When they went for it on fourth and four, they were in Cougar territory. Okay. I know. It, you still feel, and there were still a lot of people that felt punt was the right thing to do there. Luton, we didn't maybe know how Jake's hand, he wasn't quite, that was the game that, yeah. he that was his last game. His hand was hurt, so he didn't deliver the ball as well on that fourth and four pass play that went to Tegan Quatoriano. Yeah. And incomplete. He made not a terrible throw, and the ball was even potentially catchable. Make the catch, game over, game sealed, you go to a bowl game that year. But you kind of knew that if you give the Cougs the ball back, that's why the argument for going for it was don't give them the ball. If they start at the 10, they'll score. If they start at the 35 or 40, they'll score. I, that's, I disagreed with it. Okay. Well, I mean, a lot of people did. I know. It is what it is. It's fine. It is what it is. And what it was was a very painful loss. <laughs> but the other, there was another game, uh, in the last year's game, it was the Beavers that kind of rallied back. Washington State yeah. controlled that game. The Beavers rallied back, scored a late touchdown, and tried to recover an onside kick and didn't. Right. And you, uh, Washington State tacked on kind of a a late score to make it a 10-point yeah, game. The Beavers had, run. Pulled, had pulled within three. And then Gary Anderson one year, to, to his credit, had a 24-6 lead at halftime here. 24-6 at halftime here. What was the final? I don't remember the final, but I remember, again, Jim and I, like Steve Fink and I once in Tucson when the Beaver Bends basketball team led 55-38 to 38 in Tucson at the half. Many years ago, we looked at each other at the half and said, it wasn't enough, and Jim and I said the same <laughs> thing. Okay, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Frank Miller with Your Money Now. Well, the markets continue their strong outing this Thursday. The Dow up around 400. The S&P and NASDAQ continue to see strengths as well. Well, a controversial plan from the Biden administration to monitor bank transactions is getting a bit of a revision. The initial proposal was to have the IRS alerted to any bank transaction over $600. That prompted some backlash from banks as well as consumer privacy groups, though. Last week, House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal said that they had agreed not to implement that $600 limit. The latest on that proposal is that the transaction threshold would be raised from $600 to $10,000. And Walmart, Target, and Home Depot, along with some other big box retailers, are reportedly beginning to charter their own ships in an effort to avoid supply chain issues. The Associate Press reports that the companies are looking to handle their own cargo shipments as ports in California and New York continue to report backlogs. More than 60 ships are reported to be stuck outside of L.A. and Long Beach ports alone. The shipping backlog causing some retailers to begin limiting purchases of certain items. That's your money now. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. 
So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It, it was, was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions, like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could, could I, I have, have EPI? EPI? Sponsored by this is Katie Albin, letting you know that Albin's Plumbing is going underground. Oh, you'll still find us located on 9th Street in Corvallis, but we are also underground, as in underneath sidewalks, driveways, and patios. Using directional boring, Albin's can run your plumbing underground, avoiding the need for costly and messy concrete repair. Just give us a call. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the glass man. Do you need to repair or replace your windshield? Do you have questions? Stop by or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. I'm Dennis Silvers, the golf guru, with another Golf Minute to help put another weapon in your short game. You need to have a good short game in order to score well. Learn to play the lob shot, and you'll have a recovery tool when you need to pitch the ball high and soft to a tight pin. Of course, realizing that you must have a good lie where your ball is sitting on top of the grass. To get maximum loft through impact, use a weak left-hand position on the club. Just simply rotate your left hand towards the target. The V between your left thumb and forefinger should now point just inside your right shoulder. When executing the shot, your thought should be shaft back up, shaft back through. You'll have plenty of wrist cock to get the shaft nearly vertical on both ends. So remember, adjust your grip and get plenty of wrist cock and you'll hit high and very soft lob shots, just like a butterfly landing with sore feet. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. Okay, my shipments have to get to customers on time and looking good. It's possible with Staples Connect. Staples Connect has small business shipping covered with premium shipping supplies and UPS shipping services. And now, buy two, get one free on select shipping supplies like Bubble Roll and Avery Labels. Plus, get 20% off UPS Express shipping services. Explore what's new at your local Staples store or staplesconnect.com. Staples Connect, the working and learning store. Ends 1030. Visit staplesconnect.com slash shipping for details. Did you get all the stimulus money for you and your family? Do you have children and didn't know you could receive monthly child tax credit payments? You can claim your monthly child tax credit payments and missing stimulus payments, even if you don't file a traditional tax return. Visit ssa.gov EIP to learn how you can apply online. Get the money your family deserves. Visit ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Sponsored by SSA. 
Testing, testing, one, two, three, four. In these contentious times... Sir, you've asked a simple-minded question. I will give you an equally simple-minded answer. We invite you to escape for the next couple of hours into the world of The Joe Beaver Show with your hosts, John Warren and Mike Parker, and occasionally, Doug Blair. All right, men, we're not here to sell lemonade. We're here to practice. No one breaks it down any better. Old Indian game. It's called, uh, put the ball in the hole. Uh, oh, what are these little arrows? Let Joe Beaver be your guide into the bold new world of technology. Oh, radio. That's going to break down a lot of walls. Yes? The door is wide open. Recreation time, gentlemen. So come on in. Be a part of the Joe Beaver Show on the home of the Beavers, 1240 Joe Radio. Joe Beaver Show, Mike Parker, John Warren, and a good friend to uh, to us on the Joe Beaver Show over the years, a good friend to uh, all of us within the Pac-12 conference. As an analyst for the Pac-12, he's been an analyst for Fox and ESPN, an award-winning filmmaker and author, Win Forever, which uh, he wrote, co-wrote with Pete Carroll that ended up as a number seven New York Times bestseller, a man of many talents and interests, a host uh, the host of the It Factory podcast and Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure podcast. Check them out. It's always a pleasure to visit with Yogi Roth about just about anything. In this case, Yogi will be the analyst with Ted working the Beavers-Washington State game at Martin Stadium in Pullman Saturday afternoon. Yogi, thanks for taking time for us. We're so looking forward to seeing you and Ted, and I have a feeling you're probably excited to get to Pullman for a very interesting game coming up. Oh, my God. Yeah, I uh, haven't seen either team in person. And, you know, usually I have, at this point in the season, I would have seen both of them at least once, like in years past, especially Oregon State, you know, in the rebuild years. So to see it from year one of Jonathan and now get to see it in person, uh, I'm excited. And I, and I love going to Pullman this time of year, being a East Coast guy. You know, I can't wait to see the – like, I'm flying in tonight, and I'm going to go in, uh, drive early tomorrow morning. I can't wait to see the bales of hay, all the things that, like, resemble fall. And mm-hmm. football, because we don't get that in Southern California. So, on many levels, I'm pumped to go to Paul for this one. Yogi, you said Jonathan Smith in the rebuild years. There are so many things that uh, I'd love to, to – we could talk forever, I think, about what you observed when he took the job and where he is now – Maybe if you could kind of put that in perspective for us, from your perspective, what you've seen in the, quote, rebuild years from 2018 to, to going in, getting votes in the top 25, a four-straight uh, game win streak all alone in the Pac-12 North heading to Pullman. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of detail, as you know. But I think if I had to net out, I would say two things. Uh, one, and it's his quote, which is, do common things in uncommon ways. So whether that's building and rebuilding your roster, whether that's keeping a staff together when that is not the norm in Power 5 college football, um, and also not veering off the plan. Right? I, I think those things are all uncommon when you look at how his first couple seasons have gone win-loss-wise. And then I look to the facts. His first year, as you know, it, the, the scoring margin was negative 235 points. This year, it's plus 72. I say, if you look at it, they lost big, lost small, lost small again last year at times, won a couple that were small um, in terms of scoring margin. And now look what they're doing this year. And to me, it's 
it's the same thing that I, I, I learned from Coach Carroll, and I can remember sitting next to Jonathan at USC summer camps 15, 18 years ago, and Pete talking about having a commitment to your philosophy, whether you are a young graduate assistant, a young quarterback coach, coordinator, or head coach, and Jonathan hasn't wavered. You know, he really hasn't flinched in that regard of the identity of who his team is going to be and how they were going to build it. And and look at what's happened. It's, it's worked, right? It's paid off versus, oh, we need to change with the wind this way. We need to uh, run this offense because it's easier for our system this way. Or we need to bring in only JC players and revamp our entire roster. Like, he's done a lot of things uncommonly and stayed committed to the vision that he had. And, and I think that is, is what really stick out to me gearing up for this game. You know, there's a number of directions I could go with my next question, which takes off of what you just said, but I'll go back to where you said keeping a staff together. Do you foresee that being a problem after this year with the success the Beavers are having? Sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be really hard. I think it's really hard every year when you have success. Uh, but what Jonathan has done, and I've talked to a lot of the assistants there, is that he makes it an enjoyable work environment. And I think now with, you know, it, it, college football has always been a challenge. But if you look at, like, the portal and work-life balance, um, the pressures that other places, you know, jobs bring to you, and now that Oregon State is winning, guys are going to be able to catapult to bigger jobs in terms of position coaches leave to go get a coordinator job or coordinators go leave to get a head job. But I don't think you're going to see guys make a lateral move. Um, I really don't. And I think the interest in Jonathan Smith uh, is is going to continue to grow from other places. And, and why do I say that? I say that because that means that I'd imagine um, even more commitment if necessary to his staff. We saw with Brian Lindgren when teams have shown interest in him over the years. That's going to continue to grow with not only what they do schematically, but the build of Jonathan. You know, if I'm a new head coach, I want to know, hey, how did Oregon State do it? Like how did they evaluate? I mean, look, look at some of the players that, that are on this team that they've gotten, whether it's via portal or just developed in high school. Right? I, I look on the defensive line just watching, like, Thomas Seal. I remember the, when they signed him out of Alaska. And you're thinking, how did they find this guy? And now, you know, he's playing okay. And I can go up and down this roster and find players that have showed up in high school and developed or they found in the portal where nobody else was necessarily dramatically on them. And, I think there's a secret sauce that a lot of people are going to want, and I think that Jonathan and the administration are going to do everything to keep guys. Yogi Roth, our guest on the Joe Beaver Show, he and Ted Robinson working the game on the Pac-12 Network Saturday afternoon in Pullman. Yogi, I have heard you say, I can't remember the exact context, but you felt that the defensive rebuild that Jonathan inherited with Tim Tibbisaw and the defensive staff may have been the biggest, biggest challenge and overhaul that you've observed in all your years around the Pac-12. I don't know. Did you, was that your conviction looking at Oregon State and the job that Jonathan and his defensive staff had to do? And, and how do you see that coming along? I, I still stay with it. I mean, you look at that first year, and I can remember going up there to do games and sitting down with Jonathan and the staff and, you, you could we could talk scheme all day long in these coaches meetings with the broadcast crews, but you got to have players. And what they had is what we are seeing in Arizona now this year in terms of guys playing with great effort, but physically not there. You know, um, whether it's speed, whether it's strength, stamina, um, 
it's just, you know, it's a different game. You're playing against guys that are in college in the weight rooms in three, four, five, six years, and you're playing first-year players on the defensive line, second-year players on the defensive front seven. It's just really hard. So, to me, the, 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 the unique part, I just got done watching Nick Rolovich's press conference from earlier this week, and he said, man, they look different. And I agree. When I was there in spring ball doing their spring game on the Pac-12 networks or even watching them on film, it's not just an offensive line and tight end group that's big. But you look across the board at every position group, and you're like, okay. You know, I, I get the D-line is not necessarily first-round draft picks, but they at least have a little bit of you know, size to them. Right, the linebackers look the part of every linebacking core that you want in the country. The secondary is long and fast and physical and has an attitude about themselves. I, I just think overall, that's what the defense needed to do. They always played with great effort. Uh, I never saw loafs, but Andre Hughes Murray was playing as a freshman, right? I mean, you, I mean, you know the players that are even not even on the roster anymore that were playing earlier in their career, and it's been a it's a, been a slow. Uh, but definitely a dramatic change from year one to where this team is now defensively. Yogi Roth, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show. He'll be the analyst on the Pac-12 Network coming up this Saturday at 1 o'clock when the Beavers take on Washington State. So taking a look at both these teams, watching all the film that you see and talking with coaches, how do you see this one shaking out? Because you've got a Washington State team that has uh, is very good at, at forcing fumbles, and, and their defense is, is very strong. But you've also got a Beaver team that has found a running game that I have not seen matched yet, Yogi, in the Pac-12 conference. Yeah, I think a big key on this is going to be early downs, which is, is part of it in every game. But the, I say it with this one is what Washington State will do, and we'll talk about it in the game, they'll bring in a personnel grouping that is basically four edge rushers on the defensive line. So if Oregon State is in third and ten, right, second and eight, uh, I think it's going to be advantage um, Washington State's defense. What they do is, is going to be hard for Chance Nolan, right? Like, I, I, I steal this from David Shaw. He said, you know, I really don't think anybody's you know, truly uh, who they are yet as a player until they play 12 games. Chance Nolan has yet to start 12 games mm-hmm. at Oregon State. I mean, he hasn't even started six games at Oregon State. And he's going to see a lot of things for the first time. Right? We saw him obviously struggle uh, last weekend and not play the way that he played the week before against SC, per se. Uh, this game is going to be hard for him because there's so much movement, right? Whether it's Brennan Jackson or Ron Stone or uh, Willie Taylor, who are the fast guys that you'll see on the edges for Washington State, or the girth on the interior and guys dropping into coverage, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be confusing for him. So I look forward to see what Brian Lindgren does and Jonathan Smith in terms of getting the ball out of his hands, getting it to the perimeter quickly. Uh, if they are forcing him to play in between the hashes, I think early in this game, it's going to be a challenge for Chance Hall. It, it's easily, to me, the most difficult game for him as a quarterback, pre-snap, read, and post-snap telling the truth to himself and trust in his eyes. So we're, we're going to be all over that in the ball game. I can't, and I cannot wait to see how it plays out. Yeah, and Yogi, you talk about that, the most challenging game he will have yet. And he's coming off a game where he was 7 for 15 for 48 yards. But this defense you're talking about, after Cal had rolled up 457 yards in Seattle, had one nice drive to open the game and then essentially shut down after that. So I, I, I've been trying to communicate to Beaver Nation all week. Hey, well, we're going to go up there and be, 
This is a big challenge with this Wazoo defense, right? All the pre- and post-snap movement you talk about. This is a huge challenge for Chance. How did you feel about how he did against Washington And when you say he's got an even bigger challenge now? Yeah, I don't think he, he like, his numbers weren't great. I don't think his performance was was abysmal, right? Like, Mm -hmm. he made plays when he had to. Um, He didn't necessarily hurt the team a ton, or it didn't, you know, know, you referenced the numbers only through 15 times. Um, You know, in a run game, he's obviously a factor with his legs and his athleticism. Uh, and I think that game was good for him. And Jonathan even referenced it of like, yeah, when you don't play great, like you go back and maybe you watch a little bit more, maybe you have a little bit of a tighter focus coming into the game. So I think it's probably a good thing for Chance. And every young quarterback from an experience standpoint goes through that. I think for him, it's going to be a dramatic challenge for him. It's going to be a challenge for the wideouts, right? And it just is. These corners they play with an energy and enthusiasm, a physicality and edge. And especially at home, we know what it's like. So that stadium, I talked to Jaden Grant about it. He said it reminds him of Corvallis. Students are right, you know, on top of you. It's a tight stadium. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be aggressive. It's homecoming, right? There's a lot of things going against the Beavs uh, that they're going to have to rise and meet the challenge. And then I would even flip it to the other side of the ball, Mike. When I, I look at Wazoo, go turn on the Utah game. And mm-hmm. there's... To me, I, I was blown away when I watched it because I saw the score and, I, and then I watched it. I was like, man, they should have been up 14 nothing, 21 nothing. Mm-hmm. SC, if they could punch it in, it's 21 nothing, And maybe SC, you know, folds uh, amid all the changes that they have in, in that program that week. And so I think they're a couple plays away from being pretty dangerous. Uh, I do not think this is a team that we all thought they would be possibly after they lost, you know, uh, their opener to, to Utah State. So I, I'm, I'm bullish on this game, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, and it should be. I mean, that's how the last couple have been, whether it was in Pullman. That was a crazy game a couple of years ago. Yeah. Last year was a fun game in Corvallis and the Bees. We know the deal. Like they haven't, you know, they haven't won this matchup in a while now. So I, I think we're going to have another classic one for Ted and our crew. Last thing for me, your thoughts about Jaden Delora. You, you think they've got their guy now? Yeah, I do. You know, that was a big Jared Guarantano fan. I've known him since he was 15, 16 years old. And and what a weird year, right? He starts off well, gets hurt, comes back in the Utah game, does some good things, but struggles a little bit, gets hurt again. Uh, but, yeah, Jaden's their guy. And where where he can be special is exactly what these fans saw last year. He can get the ball out. When he makes a decision, it is full speed. And in this offense, Full-speed decisions need to be made at all at all times in the run-and-shoot. Uh, you, you just have to. I, I played in the system at Pitt. Uh, it's one of my favorite offenses in the country. It's high-speed decisions in terms of if the DB is playing inside, the receiver has the freedom to break it outside. And the quarterback and he have to be on the same page, and they are in this system. So, Jaden, if you look at them now, where the season has gone, where their games have gone, this is the first time it's been like, yeah, I'm the entrenched guy uh, a couple weeks in a row. So I, I, I really look forward to, to watching this one and, and watching him compete. Yogi, you, uh, you mentioned Jaden Grant. You tweeted that you just spoke with Jaden Grant, a tweet yesterday, I believe, and you said how impressive it was that he personifies the, the mantra, low ego, high output. Tell us a little bit in the conversation with Jaden how that was conveyed through him to you. 
Well, I remember hearing it from Jonathan and Coach Peterson at UW years ago, and it just stuck with me. Like, this is a cool phrase. Like, let's evaluate this. And I read Jamie in the spring, and then had a chance to talk to him for a while yesterday. And the way that he just approaches, like, life is impressive to me. And then I asked him about, like, hey, how, tell me about this team. Like, it's got to be cool right now. And all the same generic questions everybody asks. And he said, you know what? It's easy for us to stay humble because we've seen way worse times. Like, our entire team, I think his quote was, most of us have been under-recruited. Most of us had to work for everything that we've got, and that's our story, Oregon State. So we're not going to you know, you know, sit high in the saddle, per se, and think that we've arrived. We know we haven't. And, and then he said something, and he goes, you know, we understand that making plays in practice gives us and our team a chance to make plays in the game. And as I hear those things, you obviously imagine that he heard that from somebody else. He heard that from Jonathan. He heard that from Tim Tibisar. You heard that from his coach. Uh, I just think that when you start to hear players recite things in their own words that coaches say thematically, you see a team really on the same page, especially when they have success. And, and I just believe that. And then you, know, you add into his story of this is a guy literally sitting in the stands in high school as a senior in week three of a high school football season and then decided, yeah, I guess I'll try for the team. Then he decided, yeah, I guess I'll walk on. And now he's a multiple-year captain, starter, catalyst of a defense. I and mean, what isn't to like about him? And, and we're going to celebrate him all game. And he's going to have a big challenge because he's going to see a receiving core that is probably the best one that uh, Oregon State has seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, thus far this season. So I, I, I look forward to it. And I know they already played SC, but SC is Drake London, is the best player in the league right now. Right. But the group is not as talented as Washington right. State, in my opinion, collectively. Yogi, last thing, and you referenced USC and Drake London. We'll close on this. This, this could take the rest of uh, our day and week and month, perhaps, to get through this one. But USC, you were part of Pete Carroll's staff in a great era there, 2005 to 2009. You were with Pete. Yeah. So you have a feel for the program, a deep respect for it, and, and probably even a, on a certain level of a rooting interest that a power name and brand can can rise again and, and kind of elevate maybe everybody else within the conference in that process. What do you see happening, and, yeah. and what sense, Yogi, do you have of, how, of what they are going to do to try to get back there? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you're right. We could talk for hours about this. <laughs> I think to be... Distinct. Uh, yes, SC has all the tools to be special again. Uh, and I say that because if you, and I've done this study where you comp them against Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, you know, teams that they're compared to historically, staff wise, they were not there. They weren't even close. Right? All those staffs are in the 50s. Uh, USC was in the low 30s prior to Mike Bone getting there, the new athletic director. And he made that change. He made that commitment. Um, and now when they start to interview candidates and really kick the tires, those coaches who will also kick the tires, they'll say, okay, I have all the tools to win big here. Not just the proximity, but I've got the staffing. I've got the support from campus. I have the support from the athletic community. I got the support from the conference. I think that there's, every, there's no negatives to this job. Uh, where they go, I'd love it for them to hire Chris Peterson. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but to me, he's one of the most 
top three most impressive coaches I've been around, Pete Carroll and David Shaw being the other two. Uh, it, it'd be amazing. I think he'd win huge at USC, and I don't think it'd take long. I don't know if he's going to come out of retirement to go take that job. But when I look at his mold and his model, and you all see it very you know, obvious there because Jonathan Smith is you know, from that coaching mm-hmm. tree per se, you need somebody that's really independent in thought and consistent in their process. And I say that because especially in L.A., it's easy to be swayed. It's easy to feel the heat because it is a little bit hotter than you know, pretty much any other job uh, you know, in this league. And you could argue you know, in the country the spotlight when it's on is brighter. And, and sometimes it can burn you. So you have to be independent and, and committed to your approach. And it might take two or three years. It might take one and a half. I, I don't know that. I, they've got a lot of work to do on their roster, to be honest. And you saw it in person, the defensive front. Yeah. You know, they can't have a D tackle at 275 pounds. And that's what they have right now. That's not good enough to go compete at the level in which fans and alumni uh, expect that place to be. So they've got to, they've got to alter some stuff there. But, man, do they have some tools, right? They've got mm-hmm. uh, a quarterback room that's as good as any in the country, whether it's Keaton Clovis or Jackson Dart next year. they got two guys that could clearly compete at a really high level. So I'm, I'm bullish on that job. And then when you look at the media rights of the Pac-12 and the changes that will come with the alliance with the Big Ten and the ACC, I think it's a perfect time to take this job, take your year to really get yourself entrenched. The 18 months I think it takes to have a philosophy really embedded. And then by the time the media rights shift, maybe the conference games shift, a lot of things will shift. I think SC is going to be in a really good position. Yogi, in the meantime, we head to a different part of the world compared to Los Angeles. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be in Pullman, Washington, also part of the Pac-12 this weekend, <laughs> which makes it such an amazing league, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's one of my favorite trips. Uh, I'm a small-town guy at heart, so Corvallis and Pullman to me, uh, you throw Eugene in the mix there, like the small town vibe. I love and when it's cold and brisk, <laughs> an afternoon game. And what else can you ask for? Yeah, we look forward to it, Yogi, and look forward Thank to you. seeing you and Ted. Thanks for making time for us. We appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Yogi. Yogi Roth, our guest. More coming up. Uh, in fact, Big Jim Wilson, just around the corner. We'll get a little more localized view. He does as much homework as anyone I know on these games. So he can talk to us from the Beavers perspective specifically. Yeah. And his worries as Yogi just made you, I hope, a little more worried than Not you at have all. been. You. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, Big Jim Wilson might worry you next on 1240 Joe Radio. This is Beaver Football. I'm Randy Holmes, owner of the Angry Beaver Grill, where we're bringing the tailgate atmosphere for OSU football game day. Going to the game, Angry Beaver will be offering a shuttle service to and from the stadium. Every Tuesday, check out our What Do You Know trivia. Try our extended menu with new items such as chili cheese fries and loaded tachos. And don't miss our daily specials offered Tuesday through Friday. Angry Beaver Grill will be open for breakfast Saturday and Sunday. And at 3 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, thank you for supporting the Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. And remember, go Beavs. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. 
It's a party, and it's every Friday night at Highland Bowl. Thunder Alley! It starts at 10 and runs until 1230. Check out the black lights and glow and bowl to your favorite music. Thunder Alley! Includes unlimited bowling, shoes, and prizes for just 12 bucks. Call now and reserve your lane for Thunder Alley! Every Friday night from 10 until 1230. We set them up, you knock them down. Highland Bowl, 9th Street, Corvallis. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that a meaningful gift can brighten someone's day and have them feel appreciated, especially during these unprecedented times. Stargazer Premier provides contactless deliveries with a focus on keeping families and friends connected and safe. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, bountiful bouquets, gift baskets, and houseplants. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Master the mealtime rush with a refrigerator that helps you cut down on clutter. The Whirlpool four-door refrigerator keeps groceries in sight and easy to find. From easy-reach shelves to a flexible ice bin, see how the four sleek compartments help keep ingredients organized so that you can get dinner on the table. Visit Kellenberger Appliance to learn more. Kellenberger Appliance, 21 Main Street, Lebanon. Serving all our appliance needs since 1918. Visit Kellenberger Appliance today. Head coach Jonathan Smith has his alma mater trending up. Stretch play to the right to Baylor. Hole first down, more 15 to the 10, 5, and B.J. Baylor all the way in! Touchdown, Beavers! Join us Saturday. The Beavs visit the Washington State Cougars. Our coverage begins at 11 a.m. On your home for Oregon State football, the Beavers Sports Network. And our local coverage begins at 9 with the Tailgate Show on 1240 Joe Radio. We have gone all in today on the matchup. Tomorrow, I think you will diversify a little bit, hope to get a men's or women's soccer player yeah, on between yeah. matches with and the women's Beaver, basketball. The Beaver women at home. We'll have a lot on football. And a women's basketball player, more football stuff. But just as the schedule uh, played out and the availability of our guests, Alex Brink, Yogi Roth, we close with a cleanup hitter, in my view of things. To help us kind of look at this game, this matchup for the Beavs. 20 home runs. 21. 21 home yeah, runs. 21. It's like Pat Casey, you know, with the, yeah, so you want TCU fans heckling Casey. Oh, see, so in the regional <laughs> yeah. down there in yeah. 2009. Yeah. Oh, so you win a national championship and you think you invented the game and you know the game when Pat was hit and run or yeah. something and fans heckling like crazy at TCU. Casey and others said it was the worst trash talking they'd ever heard from a fan base at Texas Christian University, and they're yelling all kinds of stuff. So you win a national championship, and you think you're really something, huh? And Pat turns and during the game turns and smiles and holds up two fingers, <laughs> <laughs> and that actually shut the guy. Well, okay, that's a good response, and he laughed. That's funny. With two national championships, too bad it wasn't later. And he <laughs> he could put up three, up three. <laughs> Big Jim Wilson joins us on the Joe Beaver Show. He'll be on the, uh, of course, on the call with yours truly and Ron Callen Saturday afternoon in Pullman. Jim, I don't know how much you've taken in. Uh, you listen off and on on the live stream with Ted Robinson and Yogi and Alex Brink and others, Colton Clark, the beat writer who covers the Cougs for the Spokesman Review in Spokane. How much you've heard of it, I don't know. It's not really important to the conversation we're about to have. But have you caught any of it and got the sense of 
how this game's shaping up. A lot of people, and I'm with them, think it's going to be a pretty tough matchup for the Bees. I have not heard that much. I heard a lot of uh, the Ted Robinson mm-hmm. interview. That's probably the one that I was able to catch, and I've not heard anything today. Uh, I've been scrambling to take yeah. a little bit, but I am with you, Mike. Uh, Washington State is capable, and Oregon State has obviously been playing well. They're riding a wave, but let's let's just not forget the other teams won seven straight in the matchup, and it's not all of a sudden it, it, over the top. Beavers are going to win. Uh, you know they better not be overconfident. I don't. I don't think anything like that is the truth. I think the Beavers expect. It to be a very tough battle, and uh, and I think it will be. And, Jim, what do you think? You're big on talking about, well, this isn't a good matchup for the Beavs today. You've said that going into games off the air. Before we go in, you'll even say it on the air. It's not the best of matchups, or sometimes you'll say, I like the matchup. How do you feel about this matchup? I like the matchup when we're on offense because Washington State has played good defense. They played good defense last week, but Oregon State – will gouge them with the run and they Washington state will have to answer with a lot of man coverage. I think that's what threw Nolan uh, chance Nolan off last week was all that zone coverage. He's, he's seen mostly uh, man type looks and, and, you know, he sees his man. There it is in that zone. I think he didn't know what to think at some, at times. And uh, Washington state will definitely be mostly uh, after the Beavers start gouging them with the run, they will be in a, in a where they have to man up. Yeah, and Oregon State, it's a different matchup defensively in that front seven. In that they'll they'll, they'll spin, they'll blitz, they'll uh, they'll stunt, they'll, they'll play a lot of games, they'll junk it up up front, and there'll probably be a couple of minus plays for the Washington State defense against our run game, but. There'll also be some gouges where they're guessing wrong, and the Beavers just cave them out and, and get big plays. And then I think they're going to have to gamble a little bit, and Oregon State will have good opportunities in, in the passing game. Jim, I like the matchup. I'd like the offense to have a huge bounce back game this week. Can you recall any game other than other games this year where there was a lot of stemming that they had to they had to or got some practice against that? Yeah, in practice. Uh, I know that's not what you asked, but Oregon State is doing that now. Yeah, and I think that's probably the best thing uh, that that the line will have going for it. And that it's worked. The Washington State it, it worked when when uh, uh, Grinch was there, and they were doing it. They were good at it. And all three guys, boom, they move at least a gap to one direction or the other. And the Beavers had two or three offensive uh, penalties, uh, false starts in each of the last two or three years, uh, and. But we're doing it now, and I think we see it in practice and, and have gotten used to it, and I'm sure you know those guys are all veterans up front. They've all been around, and they've seen that Washington State and how they do that. So I, I think they're going to be all right on that aspect. Yeah, and get used to it because uh, in the Oregon games I've been watching, it, they do it constantly. So, you know, if Oregon State can get used to it, that'd be great. Moving on to, to Chance Nolan, I like that you said – that about man versus zone, and then that may have threw, thrown him off because I hadn't even considered that. So now he's got that under his belt. I was looking for a bounce back week from him anyway, just because if you can win when your quarterback does not do well and your, your passing yards are at 48 yards, the adjustments can be made and you, you, would, you would expect a big bounce back the, the next week. Would you agree? 
I do. And I think it's not just Chance Nolan. It's Chance Nolan and that offensive line and uh, the tight ends, the receivers, the coach, uh, Brian Lindgren. All the feedback they got from watching a tape of really a subpar offensive performance, but you, you have that feeling of you got the win and, and you're going to learn from it. And I mean, there was the first the first drive broken play. Uh, Musgrave goes the wrong way or what have you. It kills the drive. Uh, missed field goal second second uh, drive. Uh, drop passes, fumbles, interceptions. Uh, uh, missed blocks, whiffs at the line of scrimmage, and those things are. I think just every aspect of the Beaver offense will be geared up and ready to go. And I trust so much the the coaches. And their ability to, to read, recognize, and correct. And I just, I, I'm really looking for a good offensive bounce back game. And also, look back a, a year. The Beavers went, or two years, the Beavers went into Pullman and scored 53. Now, I, I realize different staff. Uh, and last year, it, it took Oregon State literally three quarters to get off the schneid. They, they, the score after three quarters was uh, uh, 38 10, I believe. But the Beavers ended up finishing with 28 points and 300-some passing yards. So I, I just think I, I trust the offense. I, I think it's going to be fine. Now, when I asked you about the matchup, that's where you started. Now let's flip it, flip it over. What about the other side? What about the matchup for the Beaver defense against what appears to be a coming quarterback? Jaden Dolores kind of settled that issue now. Borgie played and will play, and McIntosh ran for 147 against the Beavers last year at Reeser. So... Let's flip the ball around, Jim. What about the matchup defensively? That's the part that scares me a little bit. And uh, part of it is the quarterback, for sure. He, he is a good athlete. He's, I think he's the best runner in the conference. Uh, he's a Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh, he's got Nolan Chance-type speed. Um, he, he's, got, he, he, he's a good athlete. And did I just say Nolan Chance? <laughs> Maybe, but we got you. Yeah. <laughs> um, he scares me. If the Beavers have to take the run away and make Delora a, a thrower, not a runner, and if they can keep him in the pocket and make Delora throw the ball, I, I like the Beavers' chances. That's the biggest thing. They have good runners. Uh, Borgie's good. McIntosh is good. Delora's good. And two of them will always be in the backfield. At the same time, so that that's a concern. You got to you got to tackle in space, and and you got you got to pressure the quarterback a little bit. You got to get him off his spot, and make him throw the football. Jimmy, is that going to be relying upon the D line? Because in this type of offense that they're facing, where does that take Omar Spates and Avery Roberts? Are they going to be covering downfield? Or are they going to just cover over you know over the middle routes? How's that going to work? Or they're going to blitz? They they're going to blitz. I mean they. The, the Beavers blitz Spates and Roberts a lot, and I expect that to continue. But when they're not blitzing, it, it your answer is just D, all of the above. You'll see in man-type things, you'll see Spates running after a, a running back that's coming out of the backfield. In some situations, the zone, you'll see him sitting in a zone. And I think that's what you got to do against offenses is keep them guessing, change your looks, disguise what you're doing. And just uh, and keep playing hard, and that, you know that's one of the things that I really like about this team. I think they play hard, and especially on defense. 
Jim Wilson joining us for a few more minutes on the Joe Beaver Show. Jim, you you have a lot of friends working as you do in Vancouver. You have a lot of Cougar friends, Husky friends, uh, people you work with, coworkers, just people you you interact with. What? Maybe give us a feel for both fan bases right now, if you could. A little bit from the Washington people and how you said they told you going into the Husky game. Some of your friends who are Husky said the Beavers will win easily. They'll win by two touchdowns. That didn't play out. So how are they thinking now? What are your friends thinking on the Washington side and the Cougs side heading into this weekend? It's interesting because I, I do. I'm surrounded by Cougars in my life, and I haven't had a single conversation this week uh, about it. But I will tell you something is the Cougar faithful are generally a pretty likable bunch, and they're pretty um, – they're like Beaver fans, quite frankly, they, and they've also not had the greatest of, of, uh, of times as of late. I mean, they did with Leach, but Rolovich last year, and as a collection, I think they're a little down. They lost to Utah State in the opener, and I saw the the, the general morale of most of the, the folks I deal with uh, go right in the tank, and, and they're not happy for the most part with Rolovich and just his role in a lot of the different things. But uh, I, it's interesting you asked me on this uh, Thursday night because I'm going to probably in the next 24 hours talk to several uh, of those jokers. And I, I, <laughs> I think that they are thinking loss to the Beavers, believe it or not. That, I think that's what they're, they're seeing. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. Jimmy, last uh, the last thing for you today, and we appreciate you taking time for us on the show. We've talked to Yogi. Uh, we talked to Ted, uh, Ted Robinson. Yogi went pretty deep on what Jonathan Smith has been able to do, just looking at it big picture from the time he took the gig in 2018. The point differential in, in games, minus 235 the first year, plus 72 now. And just the, yeah. ste- the steady build. I'm just wondering as we close and this big opportunity for the Beavs that they've created for themselves, a chance to get to 3-0 and if they go up and play their game and play well. How has it happened, Jim? Just what, what do you see as the biggest reasons to get into a position like this now? I, I, I love the question uh, because I think, I, you know, I, I see things, oh, Jonathan, that's a critical year for Jonathan Smith. And going into the year as his seat was warm. No, man, you're not paying attention. Uh, the, the Beavers have been trending up literally since the day he arrived. He had, he came in and he cleaned up the culture. The recruiting has had an uptick. They won a Pac-12 game in the first year. They won five games in the second year. And um, I, I just couldn't be more impressed, but I tell you what I think the secret is. is you, you, we talk about talent and, and size, skill. We talk about players. We talk about coaches. And what I'm starting to see with this team is, is people, good people, people that are playing together, that care for each other. I think the chemistry of the Oregon State football team is their secret. It's, it's the secret sauce. They play hard. They play for each other. You listen to them. The, the message is unified. And it sounds like Jonathan might as well have been saying. And, and I really believe that that's, that's why Oregon State, in my opinion, is playing closer their potential than any other team in the Pac-12. And the reason is they, they, they play together and they play hard. They like each other. And, and I, I, I think that's the secret sauce, to be honest with you, Mike. And they have the best offensive line. <laughs> well, no, they've got, no, yeah. they've upgraded. There's right. been a talent upgrade right. for sure. 
and the scheme of the coaches is good. I mean, the offensive coaches, I couldn't be more impressed with what Brian and his staff has, has done with that offense. But overall, nothing works unless you get them to play hard. And that's, that's what I think has been the, the big key. Jimmy, thanks for the time. As always, we'll see you in Lewiston and the Palouse this weekend. Thanks for joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. Yeah, you bet, guys. Thanks, Thanks, Jimmy. Speaking of that, I was going to mention this earlier. Please make sure you, when you deplane up there, you be careful and ask if they've secured the nose. Oh. The the nose wheel. The jack stand or whatever it is they call that. Yeah, Yeah, because the USC one. (laughs) But then they they won big up there, so maybe that's the secret. We'll take a break and come back. With uh, your thoughts, if you have any in our remaining minutes that you'd like to share with us, open phones for the last uh, 13, 14 minutes if you'd like to jump in with anything you've heard today, all week, your own thoughts that you'd like to share with us, the text line, the phone line, both open, 541-497-5356. This is Beaver Football. I'm Randy Holmes, owner of the Angry Beaver Grill, where we're bringing the tailgate atmosphere for OSU football game day. Going to the game, Angry Beaver will be offering a shuttle service to and from the stadium. Every Tuesday, check out our What Do You Know trivia. Try our extended menu with new items such as chili cheese fries and loaded tachos. And don't miss our daily specials offered Tuesday through Friday. Angry Beaver Grill will be open for breakfast Saturday and Sunday. And at 3 p.m. Tuesday through Friday, thank you for supporting the Angry Beaver Grill on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. And remember, go Beavs. It's Medicare open enrollment time. See the Medicare specialists at Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency. Look at all the 2022 plan choices, including prescription drug plans and Medicare Advantage. This is your time to see if you can find a lower premium and extra benefits. Open enrollment starts October 15th and ends December 7th. Call now to make an appointment. Since 1961, Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency, Lebanon, Albany, and Staten, or RhodesWardenINS.com. If you're expecting family or guests this fall or during the holidays, maybe you don't have a place for them to sleep. A futon from Futon Man in Corvallis is the perfect solution. Futon Man has quality constructed solid hardwood frames in lots of styles and finishes, and their futons have a highly resilient, long-lasting foam core, and they're made right in the store in Corvallis. There's lots of cover choices, too. And students, a futon works great when you need some extra space in your dorm. Stop by Futon Man, two miles north of Corvallis on Highway 99 and online at futon-man.com. Dave's Performance Hybrids is the Willamette Valley's Prius experts and your Toyota dealer alternative. Dave's Performance Hybrids specializes in Prius sales, Prius service, and Prius batteries, but also services all other Japanese brand cars, trucks, and SUVs. Get peace of mind before you hit the road with Dave's Guardian Full Vehicle Inspection Report so you know about possible failures before they occur. With over 120 years of experience under one roof, you'll get expert service every time. Off I-5 at Highway 20 in Albany, online at davesperformancehybrids.com. Shrimp has joined the flavor fam at Qdoba Mexican Eats with new citrus lime shrimp. Create your own crave-worthy burrito or bowl with our sustainably sourced shrimp that's sautéed in-house and topped with whatever your flavor-loving heart desires. Or try new chef-crafted surf and turf bowl made with citrus lime shrimp, grilled steak, chili crema, and guacamole. Get it while you can, only at Qdoba. Qdoba Mexican Eats, customizable burritos, crave-worthy tacos, and three-cheese queso. Qdoba is on Monroe in Corvallis. 
Have thoughts about Beaver football? Then call into the Beaver Post Game Call-In Show with TJ Matthewson on the Downward Dog phone line. 541-497-5356. He's the head coach. He can make the decision he wants. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm giving you a fan perspective. We want to hear from you, the fan. One hour after every Beaver football game on 1240 Joe Radio. Uh, a little tribute to our next caller. Did right you there. plan that or just no. stumble into it? No, I actually had to put the, the promo in there just to fill out the three minutes. And then Dave just called. <laughs> Dave called on cue with the promo. <laughs> and leading... I had forgotten that he was in that promo. <laughs> leading him back in as we head down the stretch of this Thursday show. Dave and Tumwater, are you going to Pullman? And welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. No, those days are, are, are over, Mike. I mean, I don't even go to all the games in Corvallis if they're uh, deep into the night. I remember going over to <clears throat> several memorable trips over there. Uh, but, no, I'll be tuned in to KEJO for 12 hours from <laughs> 9 in the morning until 9 at night. That's, Total commitment, John. That's very good. <laughs> Do you think it's going to be a pleasant 12 hours? What's your expectation, Dave? Well, I've uh, been thinking about this, uh, Mike, and I'm, I'm sensing, well, my mind has been running back to 1999, Mike. Now, that mm-hmm. was your first year yeah. calling the games. I don't know what you remember about that game. Now, I, ha- I hadn't been to a game there yet. Dad's weekend is downstream from that point when they beat Cal, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'd have to yield to... Um, uh, so uh, actually, no. I think Cal was the very next weekend. It anyway, was. Here's my point. Yes. Here's my point. I remember that um, Washington State fan and maybe Washington State player was absolutely shocked that Oregon State had gone to Pullman and beaten them. Uh, there, there, it seems to me, and I've looked at this previously. There was a vast stretch of time in the 70s and 80s <laughs> when Washington State just dominated the series. Yes. And, uh, and so I think, I think the perception was that Oregon State went in and stole one from them. I would agree with Jim Wilson, as I know almost always do. In fact, I can't cite an example of where he's ever said anything I disagree with. My sense is that the Washington State fan base, at least, uh, is a little is a little depressed, a little down, not really high on on Rolovich for a combination of reasons that are probably readily imagined. Uh, who knows where where the team's at? But I'm sensing a, a replay of 1999 when the Beavs go in and just shock them with their proficiency. I hope I don't come to regret that. The unfortunate aspect about the Washington State series historically, gentlemen, is that by the, uh, by the late Riley era, uh, 2013, 2014, Washington, uh, Oregon State had almost caught up with Washington State in terms of uh, uh, historical mm-hmm. one loss. Now we've fallen back 7-8. We're pretty close. I mean, Cal's within shooting distance. Some, some rivalries are just out of sight. But, but, these, uh, uh, but because the schools are sort of doppelgangers, uh, it's it, it's an important matchup. So that, that's those are the thoughts that are running through my mind. Other than my parting thought, that now that once the Yankees were eliminated the night before last, I can enjoy the Major League Baseball <laughs> playoffs. Where Dominic, so uh, Dominic's listening, I'm sure, and and probably takes just the opposite view. But that. 
baseball it, it has a chance, I think, to have a pretty intriguing postseason, particularly with the, the divisional series in the National League with a 107-win team and a 106-win team. Dave, I haven't done any research, and maybe it's common knowledge and out there, but that's got to be the single best matchup ever in the history of the game, teams with that many wins meeting one another. I would have to think so, Mike. I haven't either. I was surprised to hear in the broadcast last night that they'd never met in the postseason. Of course, that's in the modern form. There was a rather important game in 1951. There was kind of po- there was kind of postseason. Uh, <laughs> well, that was a best. You know, that was a best out of three to settle the pennant and not considered quote postseason. It's who's going to get there, and then they did in '62 played a best out of three. Interesting. Well, yeah. you, you're you're up on that uh, far far more than I am, Mike. But it should be an epic series, a great rivalry going back to the days in Gotham City. Uh, now here on the West Coast, I'll be pulling for the Giants, of course, uh, orange and black. And that's actually the Giants <laughs> were my favorite National League team growing up. I couldn't stand the Yankees. I did see Dominic last Saturday <laughs> over at the bookstore, and he could sense it coming. Dominic was not, I didn't sense a lot of uh, confidence, uh, postseason confidence in Dominic, the brief encounter we had. So I'm sorry for him personally, of course, but um, 27 championships is enough, I should And guys, don't forget Drew Rasmussen for the Rays. I don't know where he is in the rotation, but he had a key start. He had a spot start, I think. I'm not sure, but I think he'll be used out of the bullpen. He'll be a player. I agree. Hey, Dave, we have a... I honestly do not remember, but apparently we have a a texter on the University Honda text line who, as you hit the airwaves, texted us, hey, guys, please have Dave remind us of his feelings about the original hiring of Jonathan Smith. Thanks, says John, uh, uh, John Hoyseth. So I don't remember, Dave, honestly, what your opinion was. Were you not as bullish on it? I mean, I don't know how you maybe take us through what you felt on the original announcement of his hire. I thought, quite honestly, I I thought it was a it was a, it was a one step too early in the cycle. Okay. I thought he I thought he needed more seasoning. I thought Oregon State needed to uh, to um, uh, try to get a, 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 a uh, it had it had less to do with Jonathan Smith than it had more to do where he was in his career mm-hmm. than anything about his ability. Right. I do remember there were there were people in Seattle who didn't uh, didn't think he was a particularly good offensive coordinator. It reminds me of the country western song. How do you like me now? <laughs> uh, right. But uh, so I, I thought it was early. <clears throat> I thought they should have gone for a more senior coach. I wasn't opposed to it, uh, but uh, that's my recollection okay. anyway. If the, if somebody's got some good zombie, maybe they can share. <laughs> John, feel free and text us how Don, you remember Dominic it. texted in to the University yeah. on a text line, low blow, Dave, but he did a <laughs> smiling emoji. Hey, Dave, great to, great to talk to you, and thanks, as always, for the contribution. We appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Now, I just, for whatever it's worth, want to go, and John Hoyseth, feel free to text if you recall it being a bit more... Uh, Perhaps an yeah. anti-Smith yeah. uh, stance upon the hiring. I don't. I don't remember Dave holding for this is a terrible. No, mistake. I don't it, remember that. I could see a, we could do better. Yeah, we we needed to do better. We needed to have young. given where the program was. You got a big yeah. lift coming anyway. But it's what Jonathan has done, and Yogi gave us that nice 
sense of the arc of the career. And just by citing a couple of stats, point differential and how yeah. uncompetitive the Beavers were, but did manage to find almost a miraculous rally in one in Colorado that showed you, well, okay, and even the opener at Ohio State yeah. to roll up yeah. 31 and get those two big runs. You knew, well, there's something here that's that's kind of intriguing on offense, that's for sure, in yeah, those early I mean, days. The, when you take over like that, you're dealing with somebody else's stuff there and not and now it's just a slow foundational build for what it's worth i just i wanted to look back to see exactly all i remember is just oregon state washington state games historically and dave alluded to them and how they would stick in the craw because dave's well they're doppelgangers you wonder and the, the whole thinking well if they can do if yeah. they can washington state then how come we can't hear was kind of the people would were sensitive to what Washington State and some of its success compared right. with what Oregon State was, and the head-to-head matchups were not pretty. 41-3 to in 1989. The following year, 55-24, to Wazoo. In 1991, 55-7. You know, I, I, mean, I remember that game. These games are just... And then in 1992, 35-10. 1993, 51-6. These are all losses in a row to Washington State, yeah. both home and away. And then in 94, with the Cougs still entertaining Rose Bowl hopes that year, they come to Corvallis, final score, Beavers 21, Washington State 3. And ended the Cougs' Rose Bowl hopes with a dominating victory after Good. being dominated the previous four or five years. So there there have been years you t- you talk about this before but i remember thinking wait what where right. oregon state was ripping along playing well playing well and get and, destroyed and then just get blitzed right. by washington state so this is a, it, those days are long gone thank you yeah. rocky long in terms of what we expect now saturday it's been fun to talk about it all week long with a variety of guests and with you and tomorrow john i'm sure you'll entertain more calls, texts uh, between 11 and 1 on the Joe Beaver Show tomorrow as we make our way up to Martin Stadium on the Palouse for a huge game that if the Beavers can win, and I think, I think, I think, I, you know, for all my nervousness, I think they're going to. I think they're going to win the football game. I'm I just do. saying it's going to be very difficult. I thought they'd beat Washington, too. I thought it would be easier. Yeah, and, and you will admit that the Huskies, yeah. you know, I mean, the, the attitude that some of Jim's friends saying, oh, the Beavers are going to beat us by two touchdowns was more of your thinking, yeah. but they did win it. Now, they, if they can get this, then then you pull back, you heal up, you rest, you're 3-0 and atop the North, Utah coming to town, and a long time since you beat Utah, too. So this is a year so far we're just trying to check off these streaks seven in a row yeah. lost to the Cougs and the bees will try to take care of that one now Saturday afternoon and that has to change that's too long in this series it was it's now 55 47 three all-time yeah. Cougs yeah. with the seven game one straight thanks everybody for joining us throughout the week John and TJ tomorrow we'll talk to you from Pullman on Saturday so long everybody Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. This thing on. This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio.